Oh, 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 well, 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 welcome to another episode of the In Search SEO Podcast, where we dispense more SEO insights than Oprah gives out cars. This week, we have the high muckety-muck of Click Giant SEO Agency. Jerrica Halen comes on to discuss keyword and content strategy for small and mid-sized brands. What can these brands do to win the keyword war? Where should the focus be? How can small and mid-sized brands ensure their keyword research produces relevant content? And how do you best measure your progress here? Plus, a look at how often Google swaps out the URLs it uses within featured snippets. I am your host, Morty Oberstein. I am joined by the radically fantastic, the dramatically dramatic, Kim Ragones. Thank you, Morty. It's always a pleasure to be here. You know, you don't have to say that. It's it's okay. But you told me I have to. I No, we weren't supposed to say that. I'm supposed to say, you don't have to say that, and you're supposed to say, no, 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 I mean it. I really mean it. Mm-hmm. I believe you. Okay, folks, just a quick reminder, each and every week, you can expect to find another episode of the In Search SEO podcast every Tuesday on the Rank Ranger blog. It is on SoundCloud. It is on iTunes, so you can subscribe and never miss an episode, and we appreciate your subscription. Okay, we have a great show for you folks today. I spoke with Click Giant CEO Jerrica Halen recently about how businesses can stay competitive with the big monster brands, uh, what keywords to target, what strategy should their content take, and so forth. But before we go in search of SEO insights, let's keep this in-house for a moment with some new featured snippet URL data. How often does Google change the URL within a given featured snippet? That is an important question. How stable are those URLs? How much opportunity is there if you don't score the featured snippet initially? Um, We took a deep dive into this on the Rank Ranger blog, but let's talk about this for a moment before we get into our interview. Okay, take a guess. How many times a month, Kim, do you think Google swaps out the URLs within a featured snippet? Maybe 10? Try two. Mm. Mm -hmm. On average, over a 30-day period, Google uses two different URLs. It's actually a little bit less to be exact. It's about 1.7 URLs on average. Oh, thanks for being so exact. No problem. Um, uh, Okay, guess how many URLs Google uses over a 90-day period? So wouldn't it be two or 1.7 times three, so close to six? You would think that, but no, 2.4 to be exact. If you average it all out, we're talking about really two URLs over a 30-day period, over a 90-day period. Let's just call it two URLs. So what does this mean? Google is using two URLs for a featured snippet. Thank you, Captain Obvious. You're welcome. (laughs) That is true. Okay, yes. Okay, Google is generally using two URLs um, within a feature snippet, which means for any given feature snippet, it's really between just two pages. Okay, just two URLs are being considered. So if you're one of those two, great. If not, the data means that it's going to be hard for you to get into a featured snippet. Of course, this is on average. Any given feature snippet can have 10 URLs, right? It's an average. Uh, but it will be harder for you to break into the feature snippet because Google seems to consider two in general. Now get this. Get what? Um, get smart. That was a great TV show and an okay movie. Um, over a 30-day period, Google made two swaps. Okay, It only made two changes to the URL in a featured snippet. Oh. Always right. Because... Uh, since Google only uses two URLs for a given feature snippet, 
the two swaps means by process of elimination that Google starts off with one URL, switches to another, that's one swap, and then goes back to the original URL that it used, which is the second swap. So two URLs, two swaps mean Google's going to one URL, going to another URL, and then goes back to the other initial URL that we saw at the beginning of the month. So there is a sort of dominant URL? So that's what it looks like. Okay, it looks as if Google is testing one URL, then goes back to its first or favored URL, which means if you see you're being pulled in and out of a feature snippet each month, uh, you're in consideration, but you might have to shore things up a bit, perhaps. But how many days over a 30-day period does each URL get exactly? Ah, okay, so that's the next question. Okay, the data points to Google going, going back to a dominant or favored URL. Otherwise, why go back? In other words, you start off with one URL, Google makes one swap, then it goes back to the first URL, because we're only talking about two URLs and two swaps. So if one's not favored, then why, not, why would go back to it? Just stick with the second URL and make one switch each month, okay? But it is possible that Google gives that second URL plenty of time in the feature snippets. Perhaps maybe it gets more, I, I don't know, okay? So we still need to know each URL's market share. And that is a study that is coming out shortly. I anticipated that question. Uh, no, it's, uh, I'm not going to give it all away now. But uh, in the next week, two weeks or so, this study should be coming out. And it does generally point to one dominant URL within the feature snippet and then one alt URL, one alternate URL that Google tends to use throughout the month a few times here and there, uh, sometimes less, sometimes more. That data will be coming forthcoming in the blog post, okay? But here, you can go on the Rank Ranger blog and see the full feature snippet URL swap data. So have a good look at that. On to bigger and better topics. As I mentioned, I sat down with Click Giant CEO Jerrica Halen just a short time ago to pick his brain about what keyword research strategy and content development strategy works best for small to mid-sized brands when trying to compete with the juggernauts of industry. And here's what Jerry had to say. Cut one. Welcome to another In Search SEO podcast exclusive interview. I don't know why I say they're exclusive because the folks we bring on, they, they speak all over. So I guess it's exclusive because they're here right now and nowhere else. But that's splitting yeah. hairs and I'm getting way too far into this. Okay, a few weeks ago, if you'll remember, I talked to Andrew Optimizee about how you can stay competitive on the SERP even without being a huge brand powerhouse. Okay, so there we got into some of the great and broad marketing strategies that help a small business or a mid-sized brand develop an identity on the technical side, and we got into a little bit about link building as well. What I like to do here is sort of do a follow-up to that talk and talk about the same thing, but from the perspective of keyword research, which is why I've invited the founder, or as he describes himself to be, the high muckety-muck of ClickGiant, an SEO agency that offers a personal touch, Jerry Kahalen. How's it going, Jerry? Good. Thanks for having me on. No, my pleasure. So I, I got I to gotta ask you, uh, are there any high, uh, high muckety-muck perks that come along? A throne? Something no. like that? No. No. You get you're in traffic like everyone else on the way to work. That and, sounds terrible. Uh you yeah, and you work too much. Yeah. I, I think I, I stole it from Mel Brooks when I <laughs> love Mel Brooks. Nice. Um so before we get started, give me a little uh spiel on Click Giant. What do you guys do? Where are you guys located? Yeah, I mean we're we're most Charleston, South Carolina. Uh we're about eight years in now. Nice. Uh, you know, we're a, we're a small boutique hybrid kind of an SEO shop because there's a, I just feel like there's, we offer a lot more value than just typical SEO 
And that goes back to my experience working with ad agencies and being in marketing for 20 years. But I also, you know, our, our team is just phenomenal. Um, the, the relationships we have, we only have uh, probably 65 clients. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we kind of handpick them. They have to be the right thing for us, too. And uh, we have to feel like they're good brands mm-hmm. and that we can help steer their content and SEO. And we do a little development stuff, of course, and keep all these WordPress sites uh, and Shopify sites working the right way. And, you know, user experience is a part of that, right. too. And that's stuff you learn. You, you start with SEO and you realize, well, the good news is we got the rankings and their traffic is up you know, 700%, but they're not seeing more leads. And then you take a look at their website and you say, oh, all right, we better start. Let's focus here first on this user experience and, and conversion optimization before going out and getting more people to the <laughs> site. So you start to get into that and, and, it, and it grows, but it keeps us busy. Well, that's great. That's really great. I'm a, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I've never been to any of the Carolinas. Oh, really? No, no. It's too far up north. I'm a New Yorker. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Jersey. Oh, really? You didn't. So you didn't take the Griswold family vacation down to Myrtle Beach like we did? No, no, no. I, I left at the Chevy Chase. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh Just man. Just within driving distance, you know, twelve hours from New York and Jersey to like Myrtle Beach. So we would load up the station wagon. Oh, nice. That's how I was introduced to it, and it's just a nice, mild. It's a little too hot down here in the summers. Right. Uh, you know, at, but the other nine months, just perfect. That's the best. All right. Well, let's get into this. Let's talk about small brands, mid-sized brands, and what they can do from a, a keyword research and a, a keyword strategy perspective um, in order to compete and stay competitive with the big players on the SERP. It's it's going to be hard if you're one of these, you know, for, if you're a regular brand to rank above some of the big names out there in any given industry. They have teams of people, um, as we talked about on the show a few times now. They have reputation. They have people looking for them by their name. Um, but more importantly, they have site authority, which Google is falling more and more in love with as the days in 2019 go on. So imagine you're trying to compete for a keyword, like such as, I don't know, buy a new laptop with sites like Amazon or, or Best Buy. It's going to be very, very, very hard. So my question, Jerry, is what can a lesser-known brand do then to win this sort of keyword war? Um, what should their keyword research strategy and keyword targeting strategy be? Um, what's worked for you guys? Yeah, that would be a, a, a tall order, uh, a task there for you know to get ranked for uh, you know buy a new laptop and um, but but it can be done and, and it and it starts by you mentioned authority and right you know after good quality links I'm not talking about buying backlinks but right. actual quality links that you've earned after that it's traffic traffic to your site is the thing that google seems to love the most uh and helps increase what we what we call that authority with right them. and uh it's like you know that it, it's traffic begets more traffic because they they just feel that people think you're a good company or entity and they're they're visiting you and and you get more trust so it's the chicken and the egg right the clients ask all the time well if traffic is what you deal in in building this thing uh and we're not ranked for it how do you get traffic to get more traffic and right. that's why we talk so much about optimizing content and keyword research and and exactly and the reason is we you have to get ranked in let's say the top five you okay. got to get up there in the top five to get serious traffic for any phrase and so the question becomes, 
how do I get in the top five and for what? And that's where we get into the keyword research. And there's a lot of tools out there you can use. Such as Rank Ranger, by the way. I'll just, I'll just throw that in there. Yep. Rank Ranger <laughs> is a tool we use. You can go to your Google AdWords um, account. Just sign up for one. You don't have to fire up real ads. Right. You use Google's keyword tool. Um, just be aware that when you look at competition in there, that's more for the bidding versus organic. Right. And the search so, volume is bucketed also. Yeah. The search volume is a little different now, but you can still see you can get a good idea of which phrases um, are, are the main phrases. Uh, but And the reason I say just be aware of the competition thing is I don't want you to be scared off too soon if Google says high competition. Right. That's you a fair know, point. Maybe high in the bidding wars. And even that's questionable, but that doesn't necessarily mean it wouldn't be a good uh, start for you with content. Um, but what we look for, I mean, ideally you'd look for high volume, low competition. Right. Right. If you, if you go through that list of in your keyword universe that you think makes sense for your brand and your industry and everything looks uh, too daunting a task, then go low volume, low competition. I mean, we have to keep going until we find phrases that we feel like we have a chance for and that typically means longer tail phrases. Okay. Right? So you're saying go if you're a smaller brand and you want to compete with for uh you know with the uh the big boys so to speak, you're saying go long tail. Long tail absolutely. I mean the only reason you wouldn't is if you could get ranked for buy a new laptop. <laughs> yeah, good luck. So lo the longer tail you go and all that means is there's more words included in that search. Uh, for you guys that are just getting into this, the more chance you have to to take a piece of content and focus a little more hyper specifically on that that phrase, and it, I mean, quite simply, if you put 800 words to this exact phrase, you're most likely going to get a little look from Google and and some rankings. So here here's an example. Okay. You mentioned uh, buy new laptop. Right. Uh, as a scary proposition. Very scary proposition. Yeah. So you might, here's some things you might try. Okay. Uh, here, here's a phrase for you. The three best new laptops in 2019. So okay. Obviously, you're going from the probably the top most broad thing on new laptops to, let's give you three examples of the best new laptops in, to buy in 2019. If that is too competitive, right? then you might go to... Seven reasons the new MacBook Air is the best laptop to buy in 2019. I mean, that's interesting. You're saying go around the major keyword, right, which is buy new laptops, and I find as like another like sub-intent that a user would try to – meaning the user trying to find the same sort of thing, mm -hmm. but it's really another segue into it. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. It gives you a, it gives you a chance. I don't think it takes away from being specific about uh, the MacBook Air and – of the seven things that are great about it, but we also know that you're researching because you're looking to buy. Right. And here's here, finally here's one that you have to get even more specific. And let's say that you know there's just too much on MacBook Air 2019 and buy. Right. Uh, here's taking uh, comparisons are great. People love to search this versus this. What what's the pros and cons of this? Exactly. So this would be Microsoft Surface versus Dell XPS and other top laptops to buy in 2019. That's perfect. Um, and yeah, and there's a lot of long tail stuff that'll come out of, and variables that'll come out of that where you'll rank for a lot of different things. Now, my final thought is, and that you should always remind yourself is, if you have to keep going, keep going. 
Okay. It, this is doesn't. T- this is a couple hours of research and a couple hours of, of outlining some content uh, and then adjusting. If if we had to go to the article becoming seven things to know about the new MacBook Air keyboard shortcuts, then that's what we would do. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. And I guarantee you, after a year, we'd be ranked for 35 things related to MacBook keyboard stuff you need to know, and it probably would be a thousand or two thousand visits a year to that website right. based on that blog. And and that's what it's all about. Now the other upside to that is that for the longer tail keywords there's less of a chance of cert fees are showing up. Right. For buy a laptop, you're gonna get a ton of stuff. You're gonna get your your PLAs, you've got some yeah, yeah, maybe a knowledge panel for whatever laptop you're looking for, whatever it is. But for the longer tail keywords, I've been my idea, I'm gonna I'm not taking credit for this, this is Ellie Schwartz's idea that the longer tail keywords produce less SERP features, so less Google competition. I'm going to pull back a bit because yeah. I'm of the firm opinion that the way keyword research was done a year ago, let's say, is not how you should go about doing that today. I have a whole post on this forthcoming. Right? With, um, with the way Google has changed vis-a-vis how it views search uh, and its role in facilitating the search process, it's more important than ever to consider the relevance of your content, which user it satisfies. Uh, to the latter, that means considering what facets of your topic you need to cover for it to be considered topically comprehensive. So with that, how do you ensure that the keyword research results in relevant content that is relevant to your users while at the same time being aligned to your core identity? Because like you mentioned you know, sort of like circumventing this, this major keyword that you don't want to really tap into by going with a longer tail keyword. You run the risk of creating content that's not really aligned to your brand identity. How do you sort of balance that off? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I mean, we could talk about this for, for three or four days. <laughs> I don't think we have that long. I think my users will, my, my listeners will, uh, will fall off. Yeah. Um, we'll make it a nine part series. There we go. Um, so the first, the first thing I want to say is you're right to think about that, uh, you know, core, uh, our identity, your, the tone, you know, your content tilt, some people call it. Right. Obviously you don't want to write about, you know, uh, uh, raising, you know, hatchling tortoises if, if you're in, <laughs> you know in the uh, uh laptop game but it doesn't have to be core okay uh, really there's there's tons of stuff on the fringe of every industry and business and think think this is only from my perspective from okay. an seo perspective we're building content to rank well that will get traffic to raise our domain authority to one day rank number one for buy new laptops okay so, or whatever your phrase is. So it can be on the fringe uh, as long as it's somewhat related. Right. It's got to be somewhat related. Otherwise, Google will – I mean, I think that Google Google will know and then yeah, we'll be happy. It will. I mean, it, it needs to be related. Um, and, why? you know, why would you want to talk about something that, that isn't somewhat close to what you do? You right. That makes no sense also. Right. Agreed. Totally. Yeah. Get better at what you do. Learn more. But also remember this. Let's say it's a, it really is out on the fringe a little, okay. but it works. Like, um, you know, you come up with something that's, that people have questions about, but you don't really sell that, but you're like, you know, it's, it's within our industry. You're not going to push people who visit your website uh, mainly through your top pages, homepage, and some of your top content. You're not going to push them towards it. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about the user experience part of the tone and does it match the core so much? It's a gateway. It's the opposite. It's a gateway page to bring traffic in and link from that from that to those main 
uh, pages and the and the home page. So don't worry from uh, worry about it from a user experience perspective. But you need to know what you're talking about. So right, right. Typically, you're in that universe. But you're right. The key. What is it? What will it? How do you ensure you come up with good content? The keyword research doesn't ensure that at all. No. You know, it's just a starting point uh, to see what's being typed in and who's ranking well for that. And do I like that phrase? So, you know, typically when you're doing your research, you are looking at trends uh, of keywords within your universe to begin with. So, um, you know, right. stay within your industry and keywords that are related to what you want to do or sell more of. And then you'll make, you'll, you'll look at that phrase and say, does this make sense for us? And can we write intelligently about this? Right. Right. People trust it if it came from us. And then finally, what you want to do is, is look at what's out there on the competition's pages and say, can we do better than what's out there? Can we go beyond what they wrote about? Now, if we can't go beyond, uh, they've got just the pen ultimate piece on something. And, and we come across that all the time where we go, wow, Right. I'm not going to try to outdo that one. That that ha you know he has three different experts chiming in. He's got a video. He's got proof. Uh, Wikipedia says you know he's the expert on it. So and that's how you earn valuable links. By the way, is I'll say I'm not going to rewrite this. Check out what this guy did. Right. And, and that's a good you know, point, by the way. I mean, it's a good point yeah, in general that I think people make a mistake a lot of the time. It's saying, oh, someone already wrote about this. I can't write about it. Yeah, but can you add on to it? No one says you have to reinvent yep. the wheel, right? Yep. Yeah. Make it better. Make so it better. Imagine you found three competitors on page one for that keyword phrase that you think might be good. And you check out all three sites and you find the URL that's ranked, obviously, for that keyword phrase. And you look at the content and all three have a significant portion that the other ones don't have. They each have something the other ones don't have. Right. And that's a strong point right there. What if I do a piece that, that encapsulates all? There you go. Right. You know, right. You got to get a little creative. Yeah. And, and so it'll be more informative. And we, you talked about the user experience and that journey. If they get there and everything's answered, isn't that more valuable yeah. than having to look other places? Um, and then, you know, finally, if, if you don't feel you can do that or you do some research and find there's a ton of really authoritative links to the, to the competition's pages and you just don't think you can outdo it, then go more micro. Okay. Uh, did they get specific enough? Oh, that's cool. And, you know, that's where the keyboard thing would come in and say, they, they, they only mentioned keyboard one time in this entire thing. What if I just want to be the expert on the keyboard of this new laptop? There you go. That's a good idea. Yeah, so go carve out a piece for yourself. And uh, and that's also you know, a good way to keep in line with your, assuming you're talking about laptops, right? It's a good way to keep in line with your core, your core intent profile, if you want to call it that. Because I do think that Google yeah. is moving towards that. And I think as yeah. time goes on, the more you are not in line with what Google thinks your site is all about, the harder it's going to be to rank, which makes this whole process that much harder. Yep. In order to hit a topic broadly, in order to create content that aligns to Google's search as a journey philosophy, as we just got into a little bit, um, or so as to target multiple user intents, how do you decide what sort of content to create? I think it's a question that gets overlooked when we have these sort of discussions, but you have to consider what works for what you're doing. Do you need a promotion page? Do you need a blog post? Uh, whatever it is, okay? How do you go about deciding and sorting out when dealing with a smaller mid-sized brand, what sort of content should I create being that I know, okay, this is my topic that I want to go after? Yep. That's that. Yeah, that's the question is, is where, where, do we, where do you start? What, what should we be doing? 
And for us, uh, it's always start with the core pages okay. uh, of the website, the top level. And, you know, that's the homepage. So right. when you're looking and that doesn't mean that you look at your title tags um, for buy new laptop and say we're ranked 95th. So let's start by changing that. You can you can stay true to that if that's the ultimate goal. But most projects we come across, there's no content at all on the homepage. Um, they're not, you know, they're not linking out to other places on their site that do have more content. Right. Um, people worry about too much copy. We can do read more buttons. You can use expandable text. But, you know, everyone would love a clean homepage with, with no uh, content if they could do well, it. Well, that's, that's the but, problem. Yeah, you're, you're not one of them. They did it already through authority and, and probably longevity of that having a domain for years and tons of traffic. You're not them. And right. If you don't get there soon, you're going to be out of business anyway. So right. I don't, I don't want to hear about aesthetics. Um, it's, we can always do content under the fold. We can do the read more buttons. So, right. Accordions, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, right. Get some authority and make sure Google knows for sure, um, what you do. So homepage product pages and service pages. Um, I would then move into, uh, case studies is a great place to go. Right. Um, you know, we want to, I mean, a case study is the, is a beautiful thing. When we talk about organic SEO, you're, we always look at this uh, in terms of what Google wants. Uh, and Google says, don't just think about us. Think about your users. Think about what do they want? Well, when you think about a case study, I feel like it, it just kills two birds with one mm -hmm. stone. That's where, a good point. Where you get the chance to tell Google, look, we just put solar panels on this home in Boise, Idaho, and we were able to save this family $6,000 a year. And here's all the benefits that came from it. And we were able to get the job done in three days. So what, first of all, you need that kind of stuff if you're really to get good conversions in this game. Right. I mean, for your own authority as it is. Yeah. They, they need to know you're the real thing and you've done this before and people like uh, having worked with you uh -huh. or, or your product or service. And that's why reviews are so popular. Right. Now. So, you know, build those case studies. What Google then gets a chance to go, Oh, Solar panel installation, Boise, Idaho. Look at this. They got 800 words on the project they just did. There you go. So what would be a better result for someone in Boise looking for solar panel installation? So start with all of the stuff that is the, the highest on your uh, chart for user experience and getting this, the business. Then we'll get into blogs, which is, you know, right. typically what I end up talking about. But first, you got to you got to get your ducks in a row um, and then. As you build the content, you're going to link to those top level pages. Right. You're going to, by the way, we're happy to share this, you know, huge blog on the MacBook keyboards. Uh, if you want to know more about MacBooks in general, here's the page where we talk about the, the new laptop. Right, exactly. That type of thing. Let me, let me ask you quickly off the cuff. I don't want to get into this too deeply, but do you think that user experience is being heavily, more heavily weighted by Google um, in terms of ranking? Uh, there's, a, there's a whole debate going on about this. How valuable is UX vis-a-vis SEO? Is it becoming more important, less important? What have, you, what have you seen without me putting my thumb on the scale here at all? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I think you've got to do the best 
you can do regardless of Google anyway. Um, even if you had a, like, you know, there's still a bunch of companies out there that are sales driven, sales team driven. Right. Um, thank God, because little by little they find us and I get to work on these <laughs> like great companies that have never, ever looked at it. But, you know, uh, owners of companies like me are getting older and right. kids are going, we don't even rank for, you know, anything but our name. And so I get to come on. So user experience is, is super important if you want to do more business. Right. Uh, so you should do it anyway. But right, right, right. On the, on the SEO side, so if you just – so this would be something uh, not quite ancillary to it, but maybe on the fringe, would be we always talk about analytics. And Google knows – first of all, obviously they know when you get visitors, and that's that traffic I was talking about, which mm -hmm. will – uh, raise your authority and get more traffic, but they also know how people behave on your site. Right. They know what the bounce rate is. They know how many pages they look at. They know how much time they spend on your site, and we want to keep them there anyway. But if it all we all believed in those things, and that's when you saw the influx of videos and uh, yeah, here to go to the next page of this blog, and the whole idea was keeping people on the site. And the idea was that a high bounce rate doesn't do much for you overall, even though you're ranked well. I personally have seen a thousand examples where that's not true. Interesting. Um, we've, done, we've done content that got up to, let's say the top five rankings for 50 different keyword phrases. And I look in analytics and the bounce rate is sky high. It's, Interesting. You know, 95% and no one goes to another page and yet it still works. It builds the authority and it allows you to rank higher for those root keywords that you want. Right. I mean, it's interesting to see how that works with what type of pages, how and what kind of niche that's in. Yeah, it, it, this is a whole separate conversation. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, but UX, I think, is becoming more and more and more um, important. Uh, okay, okay. Yep. So as a content creator myself, I've got to ask you, okay, one of the least talked about aspects of content slash SEO strategy are reworks. That is the analyzing of what worked, what didn't work, what I want to do next time. No one really talks about it. It's probably the least sexy part of it all. So give me a little inside look at how you guys go about tracking your progress and then um, using that data to get better. Yeah, that's and, – and really that's um, low-hanging fruit that <laughs> – uh, you, you don't have to put as much work in, so you should be thinking about it. it but it's, I guess it's human nature to move on and say, well, we took our best shot with that thing. It's not cool. Um, it's not fun. No. Right. right. So, and in some cases, you know, you, you do need to move on. If it, right. That's true. If, if it's way too competitive, you may have bitten off a little more than you can chew. And there's, the, you know, you move on to, to new ideas. But if it was, if it's somewhat close, and you see that it's on page two or three, then it's worth, you know, it's worth playing with. So first of all, you have to know where it is, right? Right. And, you know, that goes back to the more savvy you are with tracking the success of this work, the more opportunities you'll have to, to make it better. So, you know, Rank Ranger, let's start right there. I mean, we've used Rank Thank Ranger you. <laughs> for, for eight years. Wow. Um, every, that's our reporting system. So... Every client has a live ranking dashboard, um, and we use it in different ways. And there's ways to set it up so that clients uh, see more of the positive results in, in terms of what you want them to focus on. And because a lot of the tools are for us, not for the client, and, and this is what, what this falls into exactly. You know, 
if we do a new blog and we'll put in the five or six keyword phrases in a rank ranger that we expect to do well for. And when we get in there and look at it, if nothing's, you know, beyond page three, then we have to start making some decisions a few months in because it's not going to get better. It's, right. it's not going to just happen a year later. And so that's the first thing is get a system you like where you can see where they are right away and not just analytics because analytics, if you're not getting traffic, you're not going to know a whole lot about. Right, exactly. How important is that? Is that client buy-in? The, the client buy-in to the to the changes, yeah. You know, it, it, we're you know we're we're starting on this whole journey. It's going to take a lot of rework. It's going to take a lot of rethinking backwards, forwards. It's not going to be you know. I'll give you three. Give me three days. I'll get you number one on Google. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, the first thing I do is show a ton of good work because that's the there are no guarantees, obviously. And if anyone tries to guarantee you, they're, run. They're too that you know they're too hungry for work. They'll say anything. Right. Um, so what I do is uh, these same case studies, we talked about the value they have is walk them through some current projects or some recent projects and, and, and show them rank ranger. So <laughs> thank you again for the plug. Yeah. I mean, I can do screenshots and put it in a proposal or, or <laughs> when I'm doing my screen share, I'll pop them straight in there. There's nothing more powerful than showing them a live project and That's all interesting. the green arrows on the keyword. That's really interesting. Um, so, you know, and I, and I shared a couple of screenshots with you yeah. um, from Victor Barbone, one of our clients. And she actually is a great question you asked because and the timing of that with, with Victor Barbone, the one I shared, she called me four or five months in and said, I just wanted to have a check in and see how things are going. I'm, They're the Julie website, right? They're the, um, the high end Julie website. Yeah, yeah. jewelry out of New York, and, and she specializes in vintage engagement rings. And yeah, I saw some of the prices on there. $35,000 for a ring? Yeah, these are some really beautiful... Oh, that is serious. Uh, I mean, the stories behind these rings are incredible. So we knew that diamonds were extremely competitive online, and okay. so are engagement rings, obviously. Anytime you get a chance to make 10 or 20 grand in one visit to the website. Yeah. Uh, so... We came up, I, I talked to her the same way we're talking, uh, our system of building long tail keyword, you know, content that's going to drive traffic, build okay. authority, get you ranked for those top ones, which, you know, vintage engagement rings is 90,000 a month and antique engagement rings is 33,000 searches per month. Right. So that's... We, we, so we got going and the blog that I shared is called engagement ringstone meanings. Right. And diamonds were one of them. We did emeralds and, um, you know, sapphires and rubies and opals. And she, so four months in, she says, I, I, you guys are working hard. I can see it. And I'm, you know, I'm talking to all the, you know, my rep and my content manager, but I'm just a little, are you sure these blogs that you're doing? And right. This is part of you going around and trying to hit on keywords that are very much related to your core identity. Yeah. But are much less competitive uh, to you know, buy a diamond ring kind of thing. Much less competitive. Right. And we took that further. It's not just, well, ruby engagement, vintage ruby engagement ring. We're saying, what's the meaning of a ruby engagement ring? Right, right. So you hit, on, you, hit on, right, you hit on the whole separate intent. Yep. Who wears it? What kind of woman uses, uh, you know, goes for a vintage uh, opal ring over a new diamond from Zales? A wealthy one. Either way. A wealthy one. Yeah, what do they cost? Uh, what's what does it say about you as a person? So that one blog, uh, it's you know, and 
when I know that you're going to share the link. To- yeah, yeah, for sure. It will definitely be in the blog post that harbors this podcast. It will definitely yeah, link so to it. You listeners, um, go look at the blog that the Click Giant did with the six case studies, and Victor Bobon's one of them. And it's really neat. To see yeah, it's a great blog. How much traffic. Uh, you know, we got to number one for that, and now she's on page one for everything related to every vintage gemstone ring you can think of. And what that's done is exactly what we keep saying. It it created more traffic, more authority. Mm-hmm. And now for antique engagement rings, I believe they were in the 90s on page 10. Right. And they're now they're on page one. They're fluctuating between 11, spot 11 and 12 right now for a search that's performed 33,000 times a month. So no, that's pretty good. They're tra- you know, and their traffic's up 700%. So that's the key. She's, she's a believer now. <laughs> you know, so are a lot of other clients. But it does work. Look at those case studies. Believe in it. And find something you know you, you can lend some value to people and write about. Yeah, again, we will definitely link to the, uh, the Click Giant case study. It's a great case study. It goes through, I think, five or six sites. How they went about using keyword research and leveraging, the, leveraging this whole process we're talking about here to get these sites up and, and rolling. Okay, so before we before we part ways, I have this. Um, it's really my favorite part of the show. It's a little bit, I guess, slightly sadistic. It's where I give you two really great SEO strategies, and you have to either keep you have to keep one and and chuck one. So uh, oh, sometimes I might give you two terrible ideas, and you are forced to pick one of those terrible ideas. So are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. So then let's get to it with optimize it or disavow it. Having only one choice, having the choice to work with one of these or work on one of these, uh, would you create a blog post that's sure to be a piece of you know 10x content, okay? Or your other option is you have to create a standard, you know, run-of-the-mill landing page for a product that's one of your main products. So again, super awesome 10x content that everyone's going to read to be shared all over Twitter, all over Facebook, all over wherever. Versus, you know, your plain old standard landing page, but it's for one of your main products, your essential product. Which one do you do? No pressure, by the way. Well, that's an easy one. Um, ah, see, there we go. No pressure. Yeah, I mean, I and we and we talked about this a little earlier. For us, it's the homepage or the product page or that service page first. And right. A couple reasons. First is the user experience part we talked about. What's the point? of any of this mm-hmm. um and you know you we could be talking about at you know google ads and ppc and it makes no difference you're not going to spend time or money to drive people to your website if you don't feel you've put your best effort forward on those critical pages right to convert right so you know that's the but here's the secondary part of this okay all of that extra content, like the blog you mentioned, that becomes this incredible traffic builder, evergreen piece for your for your content. That needs to. We talked about traffic increasing authority, which will then get let you rank higher for those root keywords and get to the uh, finish line of this thing. It can't happen unless those high level pages are set up correctly to begin with. Uh-huh. Where, That's a good point. What does Google put that authority towards if they don't really truly believe you're a player in that field to begin with? Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, you've got to get those right, but it doesn't, you know, I know going through your, depending on how many pages you have, you know, can, can be 
labor intensive. Yep. You know, how long is it going to take? A few weeks, maybe a couple months, and then you you'll have the rest of your life to work on. There you go. <laughs> so you heard it here first from Jelica Halen of Click Giant. Go with the less notable. Go with the you know plainer landing page. ClickGiant.com on the web. You should definitely check out the case study, which again will be linked to in our uh, blog post where this podcast can be found. I just want to thank you so much for coming in on the show and taking time out of your busy schedule to chat SEO with us and offer your knowledge and insights. Thanks so much, Jerry. Um, thanks for having me. Anytime. Yeah, thanks, Marty. Bye-bye. Welcome back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast. So what do you think, Kim? It was a nice interview, huh? Yeah, I think it was a really smart idea to find low competition keywords as a way to bring in traffic, but I really appreciated the focus on making sure the content that comes out of it is relevant. Yeah, so it's not so often that you hear someone talk about that sort of nitty-gritty aspect of keyword research and content development. Considering what sort of content works, what doesn't work, it's not as glitzy as rattling off how to grab a feature snippet or steal a high-volume keyword, but it's how it's done for many businesses on the on the real Level was good stuff. Okay, let's jump to our poll question. Now would be a great time for our poll question because the poll question is based upon the interview we just had about small businesses and generating content and content strategy and keyword strategy. So this week's poll question is... Which do you find more valuable, solid landing pages or really good blog posts? Right. So based upon what Jerry was talking about, what do you find is more effective for you? Um, from a traffic perspective, it can be it can be from a conversion perspective. However you want to define that is fine. Um, but is a solid landing page geared to some of your more important products? Is, is that going to bring you more traffic? Is that what you find bringing you more conversions? Do you find... That, that deeper sort of content, the blog post, the, the case study, that sort of deeper content produces better results. You have to have your landing page, of course, but those, those deep informative pieces of content drive more sales, drive more conversions, drive more traffic or not, or it's the landing page. And that's why we're asking you. Um, now would be a good time, by the way, to go back and look back at last week's poll question and the results you supplied us with. Take it away, Kim. Do you use Google Posts, Google My Business Posts? If not, how likely are you? Right. So last week, we talked about local SEO with Brody Clark. And we asked, do you use Google Posts? Do you have the GMB Posts? If you don't, um, how likely would you to be? Some folks said they use them. They, they no longer use them. Um, one person said um, that they, they use them, but you know, Google removes them too quickly. There's a, there at one point, there's a seven-day window on them. Uh, depending upon the content, we have an event that could be different, blah, 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 blah. One, one theme though was no one really seemed to be against the um, the the usage of Google Post. I would say the most affordable piece of information I got back from you was from Nikki Mosier, who actually uh, hit me up on Twitter. So she had a nice insight on this one. Uh, that by the way, that's uh, at Nikers eighty five N I K E R S eighty five, and Nikki said that her company uses Google My Business Post and found quote. Posts that talked about offers like coupon codes or sales definitely had higher engagement. So a lot of times you'll see that Google posts, uh, a brand will use it to talk about content, talk about what they're doing. But what Nikki's saying is that what she's used them for are promotions. And that's a great idea. You should definitely do that. And it seems, according to her, that the engagement is much higher. Okay, uh, it's time to move on. We're short on time. And I would be quite remiss if we did not get to some of the big news items that recently hit the world of SEO. So Kim, Kim, got it. Yes. Bring it on with the SEO 
news. Here it goes. So AMP has disappeared. Well, some AMP results, that is. Looks like a bug has resulted in many AMP pages not showing on the SERP. Our own SERP feature tracker saw a 35% loss. Since the loss, Google has resolved the issue, and as of January 29th, AMP has started to return to normal on the SERP. And thank God for that. AMP is back to normal. Also, there is some concern as to what will happen with the messaging feature inside the local panel. Businesses that want to receive notification of a message via SMS may not be able to do so, as Google's Allo will be no more as of March. The SMS feature attached to the messaging functionality worked via Allo. Right. So now, if you if you're using, if you've started, if you if you set this up previously before some of these changes came about, you should be okay. The question is more of the people who have recently started using the feature, whether or not they'll be able to continue or not. And we'll find out. No one knows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Google sent out a notice that its Google Plus APIs are going to be shuttered. The problem is that Google sent this message out to many with Google My Business APIs that have nothing to do with Google Plus, leading many to worry. Right. And since then, um, thanks on part to, by the way, thanks on part to some people on our dev team here who caught this. And thanks to uh, Joy Hawkins. Google has responded. They said, no, 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 it's a mis- you know, here's what we really meant to say. And they sent out new emails. So if you got one of these emails saying that your local Google um, API, your GMB API is in, is in trouble, you should have gotten a updated message if you haven't. So check that out. Someone I know who happens to be sitting next to me was one of the folks who spotted mobile knowledge panels looking very much like featured snippets. These panels include bolded text as well as feature snippet style images and URL. Mm. Now I'm actually sitting. I'm actually technically sitting across from you, to be honest. But yeah, it looks like Google has has been testing more and more often this sort of knowledge panel answer on mobile that looks really much like a feature snippet. The image looks like a feature snippet. The URL style is feature snippet. Like imagine uh, Wikipedia. So you normally have in the in the in the knowledge panel, it just says Wikipedia and that's your anchor text. Here you have the whole Wikipedia URL laid out for you like you would in a featured snippet. There's bolded content to sort of focus where your answer is going to be like a featured snippet. Very interesting, and we'll see where that goes. Um, I know that Brody Clark saw last week also. It looked like it was a meta description that had bolded text that was answering the question and not just um, aligned to what keyword terms you use. So again, that's another sort of featured snippet kind of format. It'd be in- interesting to see if that sort of proliferates or not. Okay, so that was a good show, Kim. Yes. I really, I had fun with this one. Me too. I wouldn't expect anything less. Okay, so how about some more fun? Oh, no. Well, then, some unfortunate news for you, because we're going to have some more fun. So some really important news, some really crazy thoughts as we draw near to parting. It's our time for the fun SEO send-off question. What? what? Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're going to read it for me? Oh, thank you so much. What? I thought I had to read it. What kind of drink does Google drink? Okay, so I mean drink, like drink, drink. Alcoholic beverage. Right, and I don't care if Google's going to have a Coke or a Pepsi. That has no interest to me. Although I would say Google's more of a Sprite person, but what the heck does that mean? I have no idea it's made that up. Now, so I don't, uh, I don't see Google as a fine gentleman. So there goes the idea of single malt scotch, okay, my personal favorite. Serve neat. 
I don't see them as a sophisticated social animal. So no martinis. They're also not taking a swig out of a, out of a $10 bottle of rum within a brown bag on the street corner. So I'm going to go with tequila. Because you can't go wrong with tequila. No, because rank fluctuations can make navigating the syrup a wild parte like tequila can. I just could see Google doing body shots. That's all. <laughs> that's a sinister laugh. I don't know if I would agree with tequila. I would say beer and no specific brand, just whatever is local. Ooh, see, I like your answers, okay? Because your answers are always very subtle. You catch that local? She's saying, oh, like local SEO, we'll go with a local <laughs> beer brand. That was, that's nice. Yes. That's very nice. Well, that will do it for us. Thank you for tuning in. Tune in again next week for an all-new episode of the In Search SEO podcast. It's In Search because we're all in search of something.